No fish have been harmed in the making of this podcast. Thank you for joining in on Talking Bass in PDX. This is your Bass and Warm Water Forum where we talk fishing in the Northwest. Hi, I'm Don Clark and I'll be your host. I always look forward to the Sportsman Show in Portland. That means that we are well into February and it is time to get out fishing. Well, this year the weather has been a little cool, and on February 23rd, Portland had 10 inches of snow. So maybe the weather will clear up over the next few weeks and the water will warm up so we can get out and go fishing, looking for that personal best. As many of you know, I started the podcast to record interviews that we might want to go back and re-listen to over and over again. Well, in this podcast, I think I've hit the mark. My guest today is Will Harris. He is making his way to the top by starting his tournament career at the high school level. We'll be talking about his high school tournaments, about fishing, and about bass fishing in general. I hope someday we'll look back on this interview and say, you know, I knew him when he was just in high school. But before we get to Will's interview, I'd like to thank the team at Lunker Tech for partnering with Talking Bass and PDX. Let's hear more about Lunker Tech Rods. Lunker Tech offers custom fishing rods shipped anywhere within the U.S. and local rod repair from southwest Washington to the Willamette Valley of Oregon. Lunker Tech's goal is to work with you to build a rod fit to meet your unique needs. They also offer pre-built rod options that have the same quality components as their custom rods. Built on a foundation of providing education, Lunker Tech strives to help you learn, grow, and share your knowledge to help build the next generation of fishermen. Visit LunkerTech.com to join their email list and get updates about pre-build rod releases, coupons, and educational content. Also learn more about the education they provide through their virtual angler learning center. Visit LunkerTech.com. Well, I'd like to thank the folks at LunkerTech for all of their help. And now let's get on to Will Harris. Well, Will, I'd like to welcome you to the podcast today. How have you been? I've been doing good. I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you for having me on. Well, it's uh, quite an honor to uh, to have you on the show. The thing that intrigued me most was when I saw that you were participating in high school bass tournament events. We will get to that a little later in the interview. But what I'd like to start things off with, is how did you get interested in bass fishing? Um, you know, I hadn't fished all that much until the age of 12. I'm 15 right now. I had maybe gone trout fishing once or twice. I didn't even know what a bass was until maybe age 12. Uh, one of my best friends that I've known since about second grade, his dad uh, used to be a tour-level pro, and I didn't know that for a while. And he wanted to take me out one day. They wanted to take me out. And he took me up to Sunset Lake on Oregon coast. We smashed them. It was in the springtime. And it just, it stayed in my brain. It stuck. And I, that's just really what started it. Well, that's such a great memory. And what is so cool about that is that somebody else passed on warm water fishing to you. And you had some success early on, it sounds like, and off you went. Now, as you started 
uh, fishing. Tell me a little bit about type of tackle you were first using, and 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 when you were catching fish, what technique were you using? That first day, I knew nothing. I did not know what a stick bait was. I didn't know what a swim bait. Nothing. So he just handed me a wacky rig Senko, and just said, "Let it sink to the bottom." And uh, I don't think I hooked any fish on my own, but he passed me the rod on a couple of fish, and uh, that's what made it happen. But it was real basic tackle, just a spinning rod. That was that. Well, that's that's the cool part is that, uh, you know, when you were first learning, you know, you're you you don't have the feel, you don't know what the what that bite even feels like. Which now I'm sure as we start talking more and more about fishing, you you've learned a lot more about uh, about the techniques for for largemouth and smallmouth bass and how they how they bite. But in the beginning, that must have been such a great time uh, to. Uh, to feel the uh, to feel the fish because those guys are they are very upset when they're hooked and uh, they don't want in your boat correct extremely strong fish yeah that is uh, that is really neat so let's let's jump forward for a second now you've been fishing for several years in fact we'll be talking about some tournament fishing what type of gear are you using now um well. <laughs> When I have the money, when I feel like spending the money, um, I really like the Mega Bass Orochi lineup for rods. I like how sensitive they are, and, and uh, being 15, I'm pretty clumsy sometimes, and I have been known to break some rods in the past, and they are very durable. I like how they, uh, I like the balance in the hand. I like how they feel. Yeah, that's really important. It's funny that you bring that up, that uh, I just had on a, um, a tournament fisherman, uh, in fact, Tom Hartshaw, Hartshorn, from uh, Oregon, TBF, the Bass Federation, and we went over, you know, not stepping on rods, not getting them caught and things like that because of the damage that they will do. So I'm sure you've experienced that that heartbreak of damaging a rod or two already. Oh, man, too many. <laughs> Yeah, I in fact I've been thinking in my boat because I don't have the space uh on the floor to lay rods down. I've been trying to think of a way to get them up off of the uh the, the deck so that I won't step on them and neither will anybody else because, you know, you get an expensive rod, you really ha- hate to have it damaged. As you've been fishing more and more, tell me a little bit more about the terminal tackle that you're using. What's your go-to bait that you like the best? Uh, one of my favorite lures um, that I've got tied on pretty much anywhere, large enough and small, um, just a wacky worm with a nail weight in the end. I just got a lot of confidence in it, and I think that's the main thing. It might not actually be about what it is. It's, you know, it catches fish, obviously, but the confidence is huge with that for me. Oh, absolutely. I have a particular bait that I like. It's a creature. Tied on Carolina style, that thing is always in the boat. And when things are not going well, I put every put everything else down and change to it because you've got to have that confidence bait that you uh, that you that you've got to have your go to. Absolutely. Right. So, other than the wacky rigs, what other uh, style rigs do you use too? 
One of my favorites, um, especially for smallmouth, is a spinnerbait, typically a willow blade. I really like fishing clear water with a spinnerbait, burning it, or uh, just fishing it really fast. That's one of my favorite ways to catch them. And so when you're fishing like that, a lot of guys will call you a power fisherman. Do you consider yourself more of a power fisherman, or do you consider yourself more of a um, finesse angler? I think about that sometimes. I like to do both. I really like how slow and methodical you have to be to catch them, uh, finesse fishing. I'd say I'd I'd lean towards the finesse end of it. I It just, my brain, I've had to learn how to slow down, uh, and that's been super tough. But once I can really slow down and just count rocks on the bottom, um, I really like finesse fishing. It's it's my favorite. Uh, I will have to say, even even though you and I were sharing a story when uh, that we have gone fishing with uh, Steve Fleming uh, up at Maha Outfitters. He's been on the podcast, so folks, if you if you want to go back and listen to that interview, please do. But with going up on the uh, John Day, what type of fishing were you doing up there? I was mostly throwing a spinnerbait. All all. Uh, two or three days that I was with him, it was mostly spinner baiting, and then uh, a little bit of Ned rigging with larger worms. Yeah, and fishing that that part of the river is is just so much fun, isn't it? Oh, it's awesome. You can target those bigger fish, but if you just want to go up there and catch a hundred fish, you can do it. Yeah, and for me, just. Catching a hundred fish is just fine. I don't uh, I don't necessarily target bigger fish. If if one happens to hit, I'm I'm good. But I just like catching lots of them. I like playing them into the boat and taking a picture and letting them go. Some people call it CPR, catch, photograph, and release. So that's that's kind of my go-to thing. What's your favorite place around the Northwest here to go fishing? That's a tough one. I really like this Lower Columbia because of tidal water. It's one of the first places that I fished. I like how complex that is and how much I don't know about it still and how much this tide affects the fish. It's That's probably one of my favorite places. And then fishing the coastal lakes is also one of my favorites, 10 mile and places like that. Yeah, that's the interesting part about Oregon in that we have a whole line of, of coastal lakes. They do tend to warm up a little faster than they do over uh, in the Portland uh i5 corridor area so you do get a little more fishing over there and i and i do enjoy fishing those lakes but let's talk more about the columbia first in that and i fished upriver so boardman salilo pool on up there most people know that area if they're from the portland area now when you yeah. say the lower river are you fishing like in the um in the multnomah channel or or even lower than that Sometimes lower than that, but mostly the Multnomah Channel and uh, up to Portland. Yeah, that's a really interesting area. Uh, we we fish the Multnomah Channel a lot, and that channel can be really difficult because it is uh, it is affected by tide, and it gets a pretty major move in there, doesn't it? Oh, completely. There's some days you go in there and you just, you know, you can catch them everywhere, and there's some days I've gone in there I could not catch a fish. Been there, done that. <laughs> I have, I have gotten skunked in there, and 
and been very frustrated. But there are there are largemouth and smallmouth in the uh, in the channel, so you can you can catch both in a in a day. Oh, absolutely. Now, do you t- typically fish that in a powerboat, or do you fish that in a kayak? Uh, I've never fished it out of a kayak. Typically, out of my friend's boat. Yeah, that there's a lot of water there. there there's um, there's there's many miles of water, and you can uh, you would you would want to cover that in a you know in a nice powerboat to uh, to get moving around in there. I might want to try and fish um, Scapoose Bay out of a kayak, though. I have been interested in doing that. I'll probably try that in the springtime. Well, interestingly enough, now I don't know if this has changed, but last year. Uh, had an event there that I went to. I attended it in uh, late September, I believe it was. And my understanding, unless it's changed, is that uh, the residents there in Scapoose Bay have figured out a way to stop fishing in the uh, in the bay around the around the uh, boathouses. So be careful in there. Now this may all change. Uh, you know, it's navigable water, and there's a lot, lot of stuff going on there. But uh, make sure you check regulations before you go out there and fish it. Okay, that's very good to know because I have not heard anything about that. Yeah, it's it's kind of too bad. The um, it's it's the old adage where you know one person ruined it for everybody else. Um, there were some folks that were in there that were um, going in there, and they were fishing for catch and release sturgeon. And they were not playing nice, so that's my understanding. So yeah, that that kind of that kind of ruined it. Um, now I did hear something about that. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I did hear something about that sturgeon fishing in there. Yeah, it, um, it's it's kind of too bad. Yeah. Now let's talk more about the coastal lakes. And uh, which one of the coastal lakes is your your favorite lake? Uh, my favorite, it's probably 10 mile. I've never fished Zilkus, um, or, um, Wohink, if that's how you say it. I've never fished any of those. Um, I fish Colaby and Sunset. I really like Sunset, uh, but probably 10 mile. Yeah, 10 mile has, um, it's so vast. It's so vast. You can catch, and you can catch large fish in there too. Uh, it's a very, very good go-to tournament lake, and it's also fun just to go over and fish. So that's probably my favorite, too, although I have fished Silkus, and uh, you might like Silkus a lot because it is a spinnerbait heaven in there, and uh, and I've got good fish in there. So might be a place for you to, to go and try out one of these times. Of course, Sunset and Cullaby Lake, good good areas to, to also fish, and uh, there's some there's some decent fish in there, too, so... Those are all. Those are all good. One of the things that uh, that I saw when I was watching, I, I, I happened to catch something on social media. You're into tournament fishing. Tell me how you got into that. So probably I I think that it was maybe two years ago in May. I had my friend. It was the championship, the high school championship for up here, and it wasn't a huge tournament. It was ran by uh, David Osborne. Um, and my friend didn't have a partner and he wanted me to fish it. It was out of hood river. And, um, so I was like, why not? I was nervous, real nervous. And, uh, we went out fishing 
and we played. We ended up placing third, and it was a good time. I think we had twelve pounds or so. Well, that's interesting. That now, as as a high school person, are you and your boater or or, or co angler on the boat by yourselves, or is there an adult with you? How how does that work? Yeah, we're only 15, so it's me, my tournament, par- tournament partner, and then his dad uh, runs the outboard for us. Okay, okay. So I'm just from a, a safety aspect because, um, you know, I've I've been interviewing um, tournament fishermen. You know, they're they're, they're generally uh, older than 21. I've I've interviewed some of the college team folks, and they run their tournaments basically the same way that you were just describing. So they've got a They've got a person operating the boat, and then and then they're on board. So, how many tournaments have you fished in now? I have fished in, I believe it is five, or six maybe. I've had two high school tournaments on the Columbia, one on Salilo, and one out of Hood River, and then the championship last year in ten on Ten Mile, and then one on the uh, Upper Willamette, and then. Two as a co-angler uh, for Wild West. That's six. Wow, that is uh, that's interesting. Now, where do you see your tournament uh, path taking you? Where would you like to be going with this? I at some point I hope college. I'd love to fish the um, college tournaments. That would be the dream. And then I'd love to keep fishing these Wild West. And then when I turn eighteen, hopefully fish him as a pro well some pretty lofty goals and when folks are out there watching hopefully they'll have heard the podcast and they'll go hey i remember when that guy was uh, a local uh portland area person and uh now he's hitting in the big time that would be that would be great That'd so be tell awesome. me so tell me more about that first tournament you guys are out there you're you're pushing out of uh, Hood River, and what's your strategy? Uh, a lot of dragging. Um, it was just post-spawn uh, during the tournament and um, doing a lot of dragging, and uh, we were also fishing some reaction, throwing some spinnerbaits and some crankbaits. Interesting. Yeah, that uh, that is kind of a... Um, not a tough time to fish, but it's definitely those fish have moved out a little bit, and it can be, it can be a little tricky to find them sometimes, can it? It was definitely tough to find those bigger bites. In the in pre-fish, we pre-fished a week before, and we had probably closer to fourteen or fifteen pounds. It was a great day, and um, yeah, that tournament day just got a little bit tougher. So tell me about, you know, from an angler attitude. You know, you're out there. You know it's going to be a grind pretty much all day. You've got to get some fish in the boat. They're finicky. You're looking for fish. How do you keep your focus? Well, I start a couple days in advance, and I'm sure a lot of people do this, but um, food and hydration is huge for me. If I'm not hydrated, I have a really hard time focusing and catching fish especially if I'm finesse fishing Um, to keep my mind locked in. I've got to be drinking water for two or three days in advance, eating healthy food that helps my brain perform at a higher level. 
throughout the whole day uh, and not just at the start of the day. That's a big one for me. Well, that's interesting because, you know, it's like any athlete, and you you, you don't think that fishing takes a lot of, of athleticism, but like you said, you've got to have the hydration. You've got to be, uh, you know, you've got to have the food because realistically when you're out there eight, ten hours for a whole day, you don't have time to be sitting there sipping on water. You've got to have that line in the water because it's you're not going to get a bite if it's not uh, if it's not in there. So that's right. uh, that's some really good advice for those folks that are out there. And just in general, if you're out there fishing, you know, hydration, food, day or two before, and uh, you know, make sure you've got the right right uh, gear on as far as clothes so that you're either covered or or comfortable because it can be really really hot up here on the water and it can be really really cold at the same time you know it's uh the northwest is a tricky place to fish completely and especially in the summertime months if you're not that can be the difference between cashing a check and not between guys you know there's great fishermen but if you know one of them is hydrated and you know, has been preparing like that for the past couple of days, and one hasn't. The guy that's been super hydrated in the middle of summer is gonna outfish the other guy. Yeah, that's all it takes. You know, is somebody that catches just a few ounces more, you know, they go cash the check, and the rest of you get to just go home. So that's that's the game. Now, tell me more about fishing the Wild West tournament series. It has been one of the greatest experiences of my life. Um, my first tournament as a co-angler um, was on, it was out of Tri-Cities on the Columbia still. Um, it was an interesting tournament. Uh, I um, On the first day, I go way up north into the, the reach area, um, and that was amazing. Uh, my pro caught a lot of big fish. I caught two fish that were about two pounds, two and a half pounds. Um, I didn't do great up there, uh, but it was one of the coolest natural places that I've ever been. I mean, these big porcupines are walking around. There's deer everywhere. It it just seemed like it was untouched. It was amazing. Well, that is interesting. Now, you're coming up on a tournament uh, toward the – now, we're in January now, toward the end of the, or the, end of the month. Uh, now, where is that tournament going to be held? Down in California? Yep, it's at uh, Shasta, Shasta Lake. So that'll be an early, early spring uh, uh, tournament. It'll be interesting because California has been getting a lot of rain, and I expect the water to be up when you get down there. So it should be a should be a really interesting uh, tournament. It'll definitely change things with that lake with how low it's been and and uh water clarity too well that's true i hadn't even thought about the water clarity so how do you handle that probably going to be real dirty with all that water dumping in um i'll probably be throwing things with some flash i'll probably be throwing a spinner bait um depending on the areas um and I'll probably be throwing a spinnerbait around moving water if I can find some water that's coming in, if the pros, you know, putting me around that. Um, and then I'll probably still stick to some 
bottom stuff like jigs and and some some worm stuff, drop shot, Ned rig maybe. Yeah, no, I think that's a I think that's a good strategy. Now, do you get to pre-fish any when you get down there, or you're going down there cold? I think because of uh, school, I don't think I'm going to be able to pre-fish for this one. Wow, that's going to be uh that's going to be an exciting uh, tournament. Then, if you don't, don't get to pre-fish, you're going to be you're going to be just on the fly trying to get it done, right? It's tough. I'll just have to. You know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go into it on that first morning, really trying to dial in for the next day and a half of fishing, um, and just really try and narrow down what they're eating. Yeah, exactly. Now, you know, as a as a younger angler, do you have any partners or sponsors that are helping you out with stuff, or are you kind of on your own doing this? I do not have any sponsors. But my parents definitely helped me a lot, and uh, my mom has taken me on a few guided trips um, with Todd Harrington at Living Waters Guide Service on the Umpqua River, and he has taught me a ton. And then my dad has taken me with uh, Steve Fleming at Maha Outfitters a few times, and he's taught me a ton as well. Oh, very good. So, yeah, so you did get some practice in on on rivers where there is a, a tremendous number of bass then. Oh, for sure. And then my buddy's dad, who's sort of been my mentor through fishing and taught me almost all the things that I know, he's been a huge help. Oh, that that's excellent. It's always nice to have somebody that you can go to and talk the the real ins and outs of, uh, you know, how to rig up, how to cast to something, and how to read the the area that you're in. So how have you been learning to read the, the water and the, the areas that you're in? I try to go into a perspective of being underwater. I see how, you know, I try to see how current uh, hits a certain edge or a bluff wall or something, uh, or where the wind would push the bait. Um, and then, you know, I just think if I was a fish, if I needed to find the bait, where would I be positioned? And I try to present my lure uh, naturally, as naturally as I can. Yeah, that's I mean that's that's great advice because you are trying to either get a reaction bite or you're trying to present a meal to that fish because really when you think about it, a bass is really looking for three things. They're looking for comfort, they're looking for safety, and they're looking for food. And uh, right. you've got to figure out how to get that uh that bite that that bait in front of them so that they will uh they'll say hey this is an easy meal exactly uh one of the things i i wanted to uh ask about is uh what is your favorite type of bass is it largemouth or smallmouth which type of bass do you like like to catch that is one of the toughest questions i i don't know i love them both i I'd probably have to go with smallmouth if it's one of them. Okay. Yeah. I. Uh, what would make you? What would make you call the smallmouth your favorite? Oh, man, I think probably behavior and maybe the types of uh, impoundments that they live in. I definitely like to fish rivers and and uh, they tend to be in cleaner water. Yeah, their their bite is so different. 
uh, I, I like having a largemouth on the line because once you do get it on the line, they will put up a nice fight. But a, a small, small mouth will fight you to the end. They will not give up even after you get them in the boat. So I, I, I tend to, to side with you on that. I like small mouth better just because of the fight that they're going to put up. Totally. I like the style of fishing more, and, uh, yeah, I like the fight. Now, this is not a trick question. It's not meant to be, but it's always a funny question, and I've had a million funny answers, so think about it for a sec if you need to, but what is the strangest thing you've ever caught fishing? Oh, man. And I've had... Think about yeah, you know, like I've had guys, uh, somebody caught a fender... Uh, one guy, which I love this story, thought he had a big fish on and he fought and fought this thing and it was moving like a fish. However, when he got it to the boat and netted it, it was the grill out of a barbecue, but because of the <laughs> line and things in it, you know, it was waving up and down. It was, it was crazy. And my craziest thing that I ever caught, I was young, probably in my teens, maybe, yeah, but we were coastal fishing uh, down in California off of a pier, and uh, and we caught a whole bunch of um, eels. <laughs> and my brother kept telling me they were electric eels. Well, it turned out they weren't. Uh, <laughs> they were just common eels, and we had them all over the dock. I mean, because we, we, I wouldn't unhook them. I wouldn't touch them, so I was cutting the hook off and and eventually somebody came by and said, hey, uh, they won't hurt you. <laughs> Just take the hook out and throw them back. So, that's pretty but, funny. Yeah, you know, but that's what happens to a 12-year-old, you know. <laughs> they think they've got an electric eel. So, yeah, I've think got, about I've got two things. So I think the first one, I was fishing down behind my house. I live very close to uh, the Columbia River. Uh, I pulled in a cabbage. I was trying out a new blade bait that I got and a, just a cabbage that's floating down the river. It's not super strange, but, um, and then I was fishing behind my buddy's house. He's got a ditch with some largemouth in it. And, uh, with a crankbait, I pulled up the skull to a, a beef cow. Yeah, that's, that's pretty unusual. I don't know that I've had anybody pull up, uh, any bones, uh, I've had door handles and, and mirrors and things. I can tell you a couple things in the river that I wished I had not dropped and tried to catch was the keys to uh, to my Jeep one time, and my favorite measuring board got drum, got dumped into the Columbia. Wished I'd have gotten, been able to catch those. <laughs> That's terrible. It was it – was, and it happened on two different trips too, by the way. It did not happen the same time. It was – a year apart, actually. So yeah, it was one of those. Really? Oh yeah. One year it was up uh, at Boardman, walking down the uh, ramp to unlock the gate to go get my boat. Pulled my key out. The fob to my Jeep jumped out of my pocket and watched it fall in. And the next year, I was moving the top in my boat, and I had my measuring stick stuck in the same spot that it had been in for five years. And the top caught the corner of the measuring stick and flipped it into the river. And needless oh, to say, geez. I was unhappy. <laughs> yeah, I'd yeah. be in the same spot. Jeez. Yeah. What's your favorite uh, story from catching a single fish that you can think of? A single fish. That's going to be tough. Okay, I've got one. 
It's on the California Delta. This is in this is in September of 2022, so like four months ago or so. Um, my mom brought me down there for that tournament. It was a Wild West Pro Am. This is my second Pro Am, um, and it's day one. Um, I am uh, with my pro Trey Dodd, and uh, we're punching. We're doing flipping. We're flipping hyacinth masks, and. Uh, it's I've never caught a fish punching. I've never punched in my life. I was watching all kinds of videos leading up to this tournament, and I was just so excited to finally throw a big weight. Because up here, there's just not many places you go over, like, a half ounce or three quarters of an ounce. So I was super excited. And uh, at about 10.30 in the morning on the first day, I get bit, and it's a four-and-a-half-pounder. And it's not, I, you know, it's not a huge one, right? But I was extremely happy that I cashed a check in that tournament uh, in the end, ended up placing 14th, and that was sort of the fish that put me over. So I was super happy about that. Wow, that is that is kind of cool. And for those folks who don't know uh, how to punch, you got to look it up on uh, your favorite Google or YouTube, and, and it'll show you how to do it uh, as a – Person who grew up down in California, I've done it, and it's uh, it's kind of interesting. It's fun, that's for sure. Lots of fun. You lose yeah. too many fish, and it's it's a heartbreak, but it can really be rewarding when you get a big one in the boat. Yeah, yeah, but you you will lose a lot of fish, unfortunately, uh, trying to do it. And the other question I had for you now, I, I when we were talking earlier, you said that your high school does not have a high school team. If folks have questions and they're of high school age, or they're or they're they're uh, they've got youngsters that are of high school age, if you've got question on high school tournament fishing, contact me. Shoot me an email at gonefishingpdx. I'll get that over to Will to see if he can help me get the answer, or I will find a resource to help. Will, is there anybody that you know of that uh, folks could contact uh, to um, to get information if if their high school age person wants to go fishing? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, Tom Hartshorn uh, would be a good contact. Um, and then David Osborne, I'm not sure if he's going to do it now that his son has gone to college. Um, but I think he would still be a good contact. He still knows a ton about it. Okay, so for those folks uh, that are looking up for looking for Tom, just look up Oregon, the Bass Federation, and his contact information is there. Uh, but like I said, if you uh, if you like, send me an email. I am happy to uh, to chase down some information because it's exciting to talk to somebody who's a younger person and going into bass fishing, staying in bass fishing and, and trying to work your way up in the, in the tournament world. It's going to be, it's going to be great to see you advance. And I hope, I hope you do very, very well. Thank you. It's really cool to have this experience. I, I really appreciate it. Well, it's been great. Any last words before we wrap it up? I've got nothing. It was great. Well, Will, it's been great having you on the podcast. This, uh, I hope this inspires some other high school 
folks to take up bass fishing, warm water fishing. And if you've got questions, please contact me, gonefishingpdx at gmail.com. Thanks, Will, for stopping by. Thank you. And there he goes. I'd like to thank Will for his time. And you know we're growing, but we need your help. By telling your friends about the podcast, you can help us grow. We can be heard on Spotify, Anchor FM, iTunes, iHeartRadio. We can even be found if you Google us. So if you enjoy the show, share it with your friends. Well, I would like to thank LunkerTech for partnering with Talking Bass and PDX. LunkerTech.com is the website, and I will have that in the show notes. For show ideas and feedback, email me at gonefishingpdx at gmail.com, and I will have my email down in the show notes. Thanks, everybody. Until next time, this has been Don Clark, Talking Bass in PDX, and I'll see you on the Batcast.